Big Safety Podcast with Vance and Bart. Well, this one's getting out late to you guys, and we do apologize, but we had a international event happen. Yeah, and once we are in a place where we could talk a bit more openly about that, uh, we certainly will. But uh, just know that right now, I think we're all okay, and everyone has returned back to uh, their original positions. But yeah, we appreciate you all bearing with us yeah but uh that also means that there's a lot more of your smooth sultry voice that's been saved up that everyone's been waiting to hear so give it to us what have you got i know it's a little late but so rittenhouse was found innocent what was it friday i think i believe that is right i believe it was friday on all accounts so that was cool i'm sure everybody knows about it but just in case you didn't he was found innocent on everything um set free there were some really shady things that happened during the trial uh some speculative and some just out in the open lying about the weapon the circumstances and how he acquired the weapon just the sequence of events were lied about by the prosecutor, things like that. Um, and then we have the problem with the video that was given to the defense. We have the problem with the jurors being harassed and threatened and tampered, I would say, to say it nicely by everybody from protesters to actual uh, major media outlets. We have a prosecutor that went after a defendant unconstitutionally over his Fifth Amendment rights. And I'm afraid that because he was found innocent, which I am glad that it happened, that not enough people are going to stick with, let's stop this prosecutor. And this kind of stuff isn't new. Our vice president did it to people and was caught doing it. Prosecutors do this. And when they get caught, they become vice president. They, nothing happens. They become judges and vice president. We have to do something about this. There's, there's somebody on trial right now, guaranteed that a prosecutor is lying suppressing evidence, doing everything they can to get a conviction, whether this person is completely innocent or not, because they don't care about that. They want the conviction. And I think that's something we need to remember. Like we all just saw it happen to a boy and thank God the jury saw through all that, but it's got to stop. We have, we can't let these people do this to these innocent people and keep throwing them in prison. And thank God the jury wasn't affected by all of those things that you mentioned. 
because this clearly wasn't above board. But I think the point stands, which is that this is by no means a new or modern occurrence. Everybody who has seen like Making a Murderer or any of these other true crime documentaries will know that innocent, guilty, otherwise, regardless of which way you go. And, and in fact, I'll, I'll double down on that example. Stephen Avery, for those of you who don't know, Making a Murderer, this documentary from Netflix, follows someone who in the bowels of the internet, you will have a, a bunch of folks debating whether he is innocent or guilty. Everyone can agree on the problem of tampered, planted evidence, mm-hmm. manipulated footage, manipulated witness testimony, coerced testimony, false confessions, all sorts of things like that that have been going on for years and continue to go on are so much bigger than any individual case. Sometimes they do that in a way that isn't as blatant and the jury don't pick up on it in the way that they clearly did in this case. I think that the fact the prosecutor wasn't so good at what he was doing was uh, very helpful to the situation because he wasn't afraid of breaking the law, tampering with evidence, lying, making stuff up, whatever. He wasn't afraid to do any of that. So the fact that he just wasn't that good of a lawyer (laughs) was or prosecutor was not what was, was awesome because it helped Kyle, of course, but there's a lot of prosecutors out there that are probably a little more manipulative, at least better at manipulating people than he was. Um, There's cases where there's not a judge who calls out BS, like, blatantly violating fifth amendment rights things like that there's a lot of judges that don't care about any of that i've been in front of judges like that personally so a lot of things came together to just kind of call out the bs of this prosecutor but those things don't normally come together like that and if you want to speak about race or whatnot and you truly think that it's about race as opposed to power that doesn't change the fact that we should be on the same side of this or we need to stop these prosecutors from railroading people whether we like the color of their skin or not because they're doing it to both any of us who don't go along with what they want right and and honestly i think i'm not necessarily going to say that this was intentional, but it actually is to everyone's benefit, especially to the corporate media narrative, that the prosecutor wasn't all that great, because then that person can be blamed for corporate media's opinion that justice did not prevail because they did not do a good enough job persuading the jury to convict. An innocent man, yeah. So that way there's not as much outrage because you can just blame it on the fall guy. We shouldn't stop there and just let this guy go because it's not about him. 
it's not about this case. It's about the power. And the next guy, the, the next innocent person that he does get to put in prison. That's who we're trying to save right now. Who won't have attention, who mm-hmm. won't get a book deal either way. Right. Because let's be real, as much as I think Kyle has been put into the public's consciousness and will have a hard time writing that out for at least a few years until things subside, he will also have his fair share of positive attention. And he's someone that if something happened to him, it would be noticed. Whereas there are a lot of folks who are just another number. That's right. The the single dad or the the low income family that lives in let's call it a trailer park that you know they get busted because of some narc or something, right? And they go in, they get railroaded by these prosecutors. They these prosecutors throw these crazy charges on them with crazy jail time. And these people live paycheck to paycheck, you know, and then you're going to plead guilty or we're going to go after you for all this, right? He's not providing. They were already living paycheck to paycheck. She can't survive. They break up. She barely can do it on her own. Some other guy comes by. who has got a little bit of money and likes her. And then now you've broke up a family. She's trying to survive and. And that's what happens to these people. But you got one more conviction as a prosecutor. That's like one more step towards being a judge, being elected to vice president. And then when the president goes in for a colonoscopy, has to go under, you you acquire the powers of the presidency for a few hours. That's what it's all about. But cameras in power. And putting plenty of people in prison for that. I don't want to get stuck on this written house thing because everybody's talked about it. There's so many good commentary out there on other podcasts that I don't really feel like I have too much to contribute to the actual case. But I do think that shedding light on the fact that we need to be going after these prosecutors. This one in particular. Let's do this one publicly. Let's get a feel-good win about getting him disbarred or whatever and get that ball rolling. Let's go after more of them. I think that sounds fun, taking down prosecutors, doing evil things to people. I imagine it's very hard to do, but I don't think that we should, just because it's hard to do, not try. Well, because it shouldn't matter that he's bad at his job. Us talking about how bad he is at his job just reveals how much power he has. As much as I don't believe in the government having this, the power to do these things to people, they wrote the rules that I never signed to agree with. They're not even playing by those rules. And then, what, this weekend we had a uh, Christmas parade in... Uh, Wisconsin? No? Yeah, same same state. Okay, yeah. And yeah, we uh, don't we don't have to move too far out to get full news coverage. Yeah, there's some stuff happening up there, right? Um 
looked like on the video and i've heard commentary saying that like the suv was fleeing another incident not sure if he was fleeing as a suspect or fleeing as a victim or whatever but apparently mowed through a parade of people and killed as of last time i looked five people and hospitalized many 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 more <clears throat> i think it said 40 on the headline i looked at but i don't know what's going on with it. i saw like the picture of the suspect of course they had some of the victims faces up right but uh i don't really know there's a motive for what i imagine that people are going to politicize it because if something happens between somebody that looks that has a skin tone of one <laughs> shade and and the other person the victim or the the perpetrator has a another skin tone then it always gets put to like that was the reason <laughs> on your politicized news but we really don't know what happened it's awful what happened and there's some sort of liability for running mowing people over what level of liability i guess it depends on what was going on did he have low blood sugar you know like shit like that happens you know i think there's something to be said for what used to be waiting until you had a motive i i've seen a lot of things positioned in the last couple decades where if you don't have a motive yet not even not even waiting to get to a place where you would have one that's unknown but even if you don't have one yet you can go to a default which is the worst <laughs> and then say that it's not been ruled out because i've seen the tactic of some crime taking place and asking about motive in like a press conference or something and then saying terror hasn't been ruled out or right. this being racially motivated hasn't been ruled out which is a very manipulative way of saying we just don't know Mm -hmm. but you can get a headline when you don't have news as opposed to no news is good news. We've flipped the script to no news is the worst possible news. Mm -hmm. It's a game of fill in the blank. Yep. All we know as of right now is it was a horrible tragedy and the person who was driving the vehicle that struck the people in the um, parade is in custody that's it so i think that news networks around the world around the especially here in the united states should uh take notes here and don't jump to conclusions don't just try to fill in your narrative and know what every everything that happens in the world because the world doesn't revolve around you, the guy from CNN, who's never had to really work hard a day in his life. You don't know what 
kind of people those people who died were. You don't know what kind of person this guy is yet. Until you do. I mean, and if you would ever know. I mean, you've got all th- kinds of things can happen. Good people turn bad or do bad things. He, he might not even be a... You could make a mistake running from the cops and hit people if that were the case of what happened. And you might have done a lot of good things up to that point in your life. And then you were just like, F that, I can't go to jail right now. I'll lose my job or whatever. I feel like the only time the corporate media says that they don't know is in fact when they do know and (laughs) they're absolutely afraid of saying what they do know. I think we have an example of that, don't we? We do. Can somebody pull that up? Chop, chop. What are we paying you for? As the world recovers from COVID-19, it's now economies that are running hotter than predicted. The economy is experiencing a very strong recovery. We brought this economy back from the brink. But with growth has come a surprising change. Inflation soared to its highest level in over a decade in April. The biggest month-over-month increase since September, get this, 2008. The sharp increase in inflation blindsided many economists. Almost no one saw it coming. Inflation is the least predictable it's been for a long time, probably for decades. But is this high inflation just a temporary blip? Or could it spiral out of control? It's the most important question for the global economy at the moment. Amazing. The Economist put this out. So if we go from the beginning of it, they say as we uh, recover from COVID-19, the economy has, has recovered and grown faster however they said um a strong recovery very strong recovery so first off you shut down businesses and then the ones that could survive how long you shut them down you go okay you can reopen now it's not (laughs) it's not growing economy that's that's stopping your restrictions so It's funny how when people want to put forth a narrative that doesn't make sense, where they have to pick that time starts. That's how they do it. They pick like, oh, time started now. That way they can say, oh, we've created this many jobs or whatever. So uh, there's obviously a lot to (laughs) pack on that, right? But the two big pieces that stand out to me are one, the economy's not back from the brink because there are a ton of places that are still locked down. Like we're still two years into this having debates around mask mandates and lockdown mandates. So to say that we're back is at best intellectually dishonest. Right. The second piece. Uh, that that stands out to me is something that I think we've actually talked about before, and I'd like to tease out 
is how we look at unemployment. So this economy and job market was so bad and went on for so long that we had a massive number of unemployed move and shift into permanently unemployed status. Mm-hmm. So I think when people look at the unemployment rate, which is something just silly, like, I don't know, four or 5%, whatever it is. Right. It's in no way accurate because a population that has at worst stayed stagnant at best gotten larger, we have the same jobs numbers we had in like 2017. And they really haven't improved since 2008 that much. They got, we never got out of that recession, not in the middle class. No. And in fact, I think we were kind of on track to round that corner around, you know, 2020, 2021, something like that was about when we were fully recovered. So great timing, right? But imagine the job numbers from 2017 to now versus the population 2017 to now. And we're going to claim, I don't know, I think it's four something. It's crazy. And we can talk about, oh, well, there's aging out and they're the boomers and they're more old. There are so many excuses for that, that every single one you can break down. So to me, this whole inflation thing being tied to when are we open? How far are we open? Build back better. Here are some jobs, job creation. All of that just to me misses the mark in that we don't have right. people producing anything. You're right. Exactly. It's, it's very simple what inflation is. There's, inflation isn't this secret thing that people can't understand. And, and people like to look back at 2008 when we did the bailout and how inflation didn't happen they say right but it didn't happen if you if you monitor inflation in your convoluted way that you you guys monitor inflation what inflation is is more money in circulation competing for the whatever products you're producing and services So it's very simple. You have $100 competing for everything in the world. That $100 will break up. $100 is worth everything that happens in the world. Let's say we only have $100. That means you break that up. And the more stuff that happens, as long as you don't add to that $100, every piece that you have, becomes worth more because there's more stuff happening in the world. So what we do is what the the United States likes to do is they try to hit this mark of 2% inflation. That means all the progress that we do throughout the year, like let's say, for example, the 08 thing, we infused all this money in, but we had companies like Amazon, popping off like crazy. We had Netflix popping off like crazy, creating all this value to our economy, which 
counteracted the inflation from the the bailout. So we did have inflation. That means all the value that your dollar would have grown because of those companies coming into the market, that got taken from you. And what that does is that hurts the poor because the poor, it matters what their dollars were. When your dollar has to stretch and buy bacon and milk and formula for your baby, that matters a lot. Now, when you're the ultra rich and you can invest, take out cheap loans because you're flooding the market with currency, you can take out those loans, build a whole bunch of buildings, trucks and whatnot, whatever you got to do to have multi-million dollar complexes and stuff on this low interest rate money that's being infused into the economy at the expense of the middle-class dollar that he's got to buy formula for his baby with. That's what's happening. That's why the ultra-rich are cool with it. It's not... If you listen to the, the economists, they'll tell you the, the rich are the only people who worry about inflation. The rich are the people who get rich from inflation because they don't have to use that dollar. They can invest it in something. Therefore, inflation doesn't hurt them because the value of what they invested in goes up with the inflation. And if they got ultra cheap interest rates because the Fed is infusing money, then they got to benefit from your dollar being worth less. It's very fucking simple. Some goddamn crane operator in Atlanta, Georgia, saw this shit coming. Could have told you why it's happening. And then, okay, we just talked about the fact that we're infusing money. Let's also talk about the fact that the money is only worth what we produce. And then you shut down the fucking production at the same fucking time. Of course, we're going to have inflation. It's insane that anybody who claims to know anything about economics would say that this shit blindsided us. And all it is is pandering to the politicians trying to give them cover. Like, I've got a bow tie on, and I said, nobody could see it coming. That way, the politician doesn't look stupid. And I get, you know, a, a, to write a paper in something or to stand behind the president when he gets inaugurated or whatever. Or I get a grant for my rag of a magazine that doesn't even know how inflation happens. And it's called The Economist. I will give that one guy some credit for saying something that you could kind of tease out what he's saying. He said... Uh, Inflation hasn't been this unpredictable in a decade or decades or something like that. And while he clearly didn't hit the bullseye of what we're talking about here, he did leave you exactly what you need to know, which is inflation in a market of any kind without manipulation has mm -hmm. incredibly predictable inflation or stability of currency whereas typically it has deflation because you typically produce more every year so your money 
deflates. So it becomes worth more and products become cheaper. Right. In a completely open market, deflation is the standard. But in either case, if your level of Mm. autonomy, your level of production stays predictable, Mm. then your level of inflation or deflation will stay predictable. Correct. So what he is not saying, (laughs) but I do appreciate he's giving you as a path to draw your own conclusion of what that could mean is that if it's unpredictable, that means that this market is not behaving naturally and it is responding to something that's unnatural and not market forces. Mm -hmm. Which, again, any economist would know. And I believe he does. But I believe what he is pushing for is more power it's typically like more most of the time these kind of people who say things like this they create a problem and then they go only somebody like i can fix it or like my presidential nominee over here that i'm gonna back can fix it and you know the central plan their way out of it by printing a bunch of money which doesn't work well i think it's a balance because he has to sleep at night and still believe that he's doing science of some kind. So he needs to make sure that he's what he's saying is at least accurate, but the way to solve that, you can just say, well, these are the folks who will make sure I get my grants. So let me lean into how it could be possible in some theoretical world that this would be the solution. Exactly. What do you guys want to do? Okay, let's see if I can create a hypothetical scenario where that would work to fix the economy <laughs> as opposed to you know caring about the 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 people out here who are suffering. I really believe that people like these people in this clip don't understand what economics is like if you ask them what it is i don't think they would give you the right answer just straight up what is economics? i think that they would give you some sort of bullshit answer like the study of you know the financial markets and the flows of currency and shit like that as opposed to what it truly is is just the study of human actions. That's all it is. Uh, incentives, whatnot. And you're not going to get that for these guys, I don't believe. No, because humans aren't always rational, but they are often predictable. They do tend to follow patterns and trends. Mm-hmm. So, when we see something in any economy that is unpredictable, it likely means there are forces at work that are not simply human. Right. There's, there's something that's manipulating the market to divert resources to, to something and away from something else for the benefit, typically for the benefit of a certain group of humans, which if you study 
real economics, you realize is a trait that you need to take real consideration for. Humans will look after them and their families first and foremost, as a if you look at humanity as a whole. And it's when you take that out of the equation and try to come up with better solutions to live that you come up with things like uh like communism socialism things like that and even crony capitalism because if you understand that humans are going to act this way then you don't give them a power source to steal from other humans and that creates a scenario where humans have to benefit other humans to get ahead in life, to have more than the Joneses next door. They have to benefit more people. They have to create a product or a service that benefits more people at more value than the Joneses do because they don't have a power source to steal, to coerce to violently enforce and you hear these things like oh that's just selfish that's uh greedy whatever but that that doesn't matter if you study human action if you study economics it doesn't matter that people call it greed or people call it um selfishness or whatever it's just the way that humans behave. And if we create a situation, a social situation where to get the things that humans want, which is stability, typically, you know, power, it, where it comes in force, where you got to purchase it money wise or just the power to control one's own life and go on vacation when they, you want to. However, that power structure in your own body, in your own mind is, is structured, it doesn't really matter. If, if to obtain those things is to benefit other humans or to obtain those things is to find a power source to take those things from other humans, those are two different pathways we can go with how we structure society. What I'm saying is let's make it to where to get ahead. You're, you're doing good things as opposed to the way we're doing it now and moving towards more and more to get ahead. You're doing bad things to other humans. We talk about greed a lot when we're talking about economics and we're talking about some of the, markets as they exist now and how they exist within capitalism, crony capitalism, corporatism, you know, lobbying, things like that. Mm -hmm. And whether you talk about greed or even something as simple as what you're saying, like power, mm -hmm. we project onto power this negative attribute of us 
seeing power as something to be gained and lorded over someone else. Mm -hmm. Right. When we talk about consent and we talk about celebrity and the, the me too movement, there's a lot of conversations around consent and how that uh, looks with power and even implied or assumed power. But all of that power and the seeking of that power is only bad because of what that power affords someone to do. We are not only projecting that power that you lord over someone else, but we're also mapping onto it power in this current broken system. If that power doesn't afford you the ability to take from others, and it only affords you the ability to make your own decisions and be more empowered to take control of your own life, then it wouldn't have nearly as many negative connotations as someone who is merely seeking power now. Right. I mean, as the power structures move towards in our society now, you have uh, protectionism over the power where somebody will hide knowledge or not train somebody or lie or manipulate other people under them to hold another person down who they think is a threat, better at what they do or whatever, right? Whereas in a scenario where the goal is to the only way you're going to get ahead is to make other people's lives better in a true free market, right? You wouldn't have nearly that kind as strong of that kind of drive unions, whatnot, the way they work today, because the benefit would be to bring people up because you wouldn't have, you wouldn't have a power structure that was as much about I'm going to stay up right here and hold other people down. It would be more like, let's all go up because the more we go up, the poorest of us are going up. It's like I said, we've talked about many times with houses. There is no reason why houses aren't like iPhones today, why they're not disposable or the newest technology or, you know, you can buy a new house, you can buy the, you know, four-year-old house on eBay because it's not hot anymore, you know, <laughs> or whatever. It should be like that. And there's only one reason why it's not, and it's regulations. It's protectionism. And I think there's something to be said for the ecological impacts of that, right? We talk about mm-hmm. something being disposable. But that has connotations of climate impact and all these other Mm -hmm. uh, initiatives that we call green for some reason. But if you can set that aside, I think anyone who is bothered by the word disposable will probably prickle at that a bit because of just that thought and our sort of consumption-based way of life. But it's not going to happen in a vacuum. So all of our uh, 
ability to make technology recyclable and better for the earth and compostable, these have come in spite of regulation, not because of. So the disposable house of be made of PLA. Who knows? I mean, that's a corn based. It breaks down. It's what your dookie bag through your, you know, your dog's made out of. It's a corn based plastic that breaks down in the sun very quickly. Right. Just pointing out the fact that regardless of whether we think disposable is the goal, just the fact that we have the technology to get to that place is what we should be aspiring to. Right. And it, and it could, could be so easy if there was a way for a market to, to do that. It, a lot of people want to live different ways, but we've, we've come to, we've regulated ourselves and this is the way we live. We live in my case, a fairly large house, wood, sheetrock, you know, shingles, HOA, white picket fence type shit, you know, but I don't think that that's how I really would have wanted to live. If it was, there were other options, but you don't have what you had, what you have with other things like, you know, with TVs or earbuds or whatever, you have all these different options, looks, styles, you know, maybe they're just, earbuds that are this way maybe you drape around your neck maybe all different ways of wearing just earbuds and some person might like the ones that you can just individually put up some person might hate those they want the ones that you just you got the little thing around your neck the horseshoe or whatever we could live like that there could be different types of housing you know um and there could be people who like the way I live today. I mean, I'm not saying we have to get rid of the sheetrock, you know, wood house or whatever. I'm saying like, you can see it with tiny homes, the tiny home fad. It was partially brought about by just the price of homes, right? But it quickly became something where you could build a tiny home that was pretty damn expensive. <laughs> and it was more about the way that they live for those people, right? And that could be that way with houses across the board. There, there could be so many different options. There could be completely green homes if it wasn't for regulations. There, would, there could be so many different things you could do to make your house green. There could be, you know, more mobile style houses i know we have rvs and things like that but there could be a house that's more like oh you you can pick it up and put it on a trailer or whatever right there could be so many things and then some of them could suck some some of them you might buy and you lose money on because uh, you know you got in early and then it didn't hit like people didn't like it so nobody wants to buy your used you know jumping greenhouse or whatever right but that's just how shit works in any economy. You have to judge what you're doing. 
<clears throat> but the economy we live in today, we all have to live in the same fucking style houses. And if the housing market goes down, it goes down for all of us. If it goes up, it goes up for all of us. Because we're all living in the same fucking houses. I could move from, I could be like, if I could live in whatever style house I wanted to, I could say, hey, I like this jumping bean house, right? And I'm like, oh, that market's hot. So I'm going to hit that early, sell when it gets high, and then I'm going to move into the 3D printed house because I know that one's coming up next. You would have all these different options. And then not only that, but like the fact that the jumping bean house isn't hot anymore, the homeless population would be decreased because there would be houses available for them. They were cheap. And yeah, it's not hot to live in the jumping bean house anymore. You know, but you're not homeless. It's not a cardboard box. It's yours. You can make something of it. And then when it becomes retro and it comes hot again, maybe that's the, that's the thing you needed to become hot. You know, like now you got a lot of money. I think the most interesting learning from all that, though, is that we've over-engineered an answer to an incredibly simple question, which is how could there be this much inflation? <laughs> how? You're right. It's unexplainable. Nobody saw it coming. We were blindsided. <laughs> well, you know, you and I have been talking about this inflation coming for a while now. I mean, what do you, you do, you change the urinal cakes in a, in a fucking uh, rest area for a living, right? Isn't that your job? Well, I was on furlough for a while, but that's what I'm back to now, yeah. Right. And I run a crane in Georgia. We just happened to have gotten in right this time. Every other time, though, we've been totally wrong about it. We were like, we're like, oh, printing money is good until this time. We were like, no, it's bad. We just happen to get it right. So, well, economists didn't see this coming. None of them. I mean, I, I thought I heard Bob Murphy say something about it. And then I was like, I read, I listened to this and I was like, yeah, I must have heard it wrong with my dumb crane operator ears because uh, obviously nobody saw this coming. <laughs> and uh, except for us on an earlier podcast episode. Yeah. Like almost every single one of them. <laughs> I think we've mentioned it every, every fucking episode. So, you know, 
when the the corporate media is wrong about Kyle Rittenhouse, probably wrong about this Christmas run over guy too, I would say by now. They were wrong about COVID vaccines. They were wrong about Asian old man that we hang out with. Iver makes on. They're wrong about the the wind energy. They're wrong about the WMDs. The list goes. Oh yeah, the, the WMDs. Yeah, the fucking wars and shit. They're they're wrong about um, almost everything that I've ever heard them say. And then and then we're hitting it. We're getting it right every fucking time. But you know we're just a bunch of dumb urinal cake um, changer outers at rest area and crane operator that don't know shit we're batteries they just take our income at least five months of our income and uh do whatever they want with it and then because that's not enough they have to print a bunch of extra money that way the the money they let us keep is worth less and they get that extra money five months of our working careers isn't enough they have to take more so i hope that fucking camera was jagged as fuck i hope it was a goddamn camcorder or some dude i mean hell as old as that motherfucker just whining it like all up in his ass i, I don't know if y'all know but he got a colonoscopy <laughs> It was on the fucking news. They told us why he was out. <laughs> That's on them. They should. That was way too much information. I didn't need that. I guess it's because he got. Did, did, you heard the fart tape? No, I didn't see this coming. <laughs> who not, Who would have thought? The senile old man might have farted on camera and shit himself at an event. I, I don't know about you, but I was blindsided. <laughs> well, at least it's not Trump. <laughs>